Thanks for downloading or purchasing this sermon from Christchurch Forward. To find out more, visit forwardchurch.co.uk or join us on Sundays. As uh, we read uh, the living word of God, and if you'd like to follow it in the church Bibles, it's on page 195, uh, 195, Acts chapter 4. And we're going to read the first 31 verses of that chapter. Acts chapter 4, verse 1. The priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed, so the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. The next day, the rulers, the elders, and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there, and so were Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and others of the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we're being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, because there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and then conferred together. What are we going to do with these men, they asked. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows they have performed a notable sign, and we cannot deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them not to speak, sorry, we must warn them to speak no longer to anyone in his name. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, Which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. After further threats, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them, because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people 
and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you are now anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Anthony. And may I just say before, before I begin, it's just been an absolute privilege and pleasure to be here uh, at Forward. We came, I guess, with the intention of, um, of connecting with Forward, of enjoying Forward, and of learning from Forward. And we're more than halfway in. And just thank you for being welcoming. It's really nice to see old friends. Uh, it's really been nice to meet new people. Thank you for your courage, your boldness to come and say hello to us. You're a great church family. I'd like to begin with a, with a question, uh, and I guess it's a bit of a bold question. I don't know quite how things work in, in forward, but uh, this is the question. How bold are you? How brave are you? How courageous would you say you are? And um, I'm, I, I deal a lot with youth, so we need to be a little bit interactive. So on a scale of 1 to 10, what would you say? Please don't shout it out. It'll send everybody crazy. But can you just show me on your hands? So if you're a 3, that's quite simple, and you know what you're doing. So think about how brave would you say you are. You don't need to look at anybody else, just I'm interested. So after 3, please show me some of your fingers, okay? So 3, 2, 1... Okay, hold them there because I'm just having a little look. I can see there are, I'm looking for kind of one and two, two, two hands. I'm seeing a lot of one hand, but there are two. There's, there's, I can see a nine. I don't know whether I can see a ten. Um, there may be a ten. Wave at me if you're a ten. Any tens in the room? No, we've not. Oh, we have got one ten just over there. Don't look, anybody. Um, thank you very much. You're very bold. I did see some people who weren't bold at all and they kept their hands down, but that's also Okay. I don't know about you, but, but I wonder whether I was thinking, oh, I don't really know what I am. I don't know whether I'm a three or I'm an eight, because sometimes I'm a three and sometimes I'm an eight. And when we think about our Christian life, how bold would you say you are in terms of talking about Jesus? Well, that's a little bit more difficult, and you don't have to show me your, uh, how bold you are, you think, on this one. But how bold are you in terms of talking about Jesus? For the younger members at school, I, I think that's the most, the di most difficult place there is to talk about Jesus and stand up. And I know that in this country at the minute, it is becoming increasingly difficult to stand up for Jesus. How bold are you? As I say, on, on all of these fronts, I flick between, I don't know, an eight and a three or a minus four. Um, 
I, I hit an eight recently. I like football, and I got the opportunity to go and watch England live in Budapest, playing against the Hungarians. It was a packed stadium with no English supporters, because we were all banned. But I got in, had my jersey underneath my hoodie, and suddenly I realized there were 65,000 people in the stadium, and we were just about to sing the national anthem. Well, what's the we? Well, for the English national anthem, I looked around, and I thought, it's going to be me. Suddenly, I had a decision to make. Will I stand up for what I believe, what, what makes my heart beat? And somehow I got an eight on that day, and I stood up and I sung at the top of my lungs, and I got a number of funny looks. Those funny looks continued when I then went on to sing the Hungarian national anthem. And I think people just thought he's a bit confused. We did win that day 4-0. We didn't win the last game. I'm bold sometimes, but there's other times. I'll just tell you one. I've been prepping this for a number of weeks, but just recently I thought it would be really nice to stand up in forward and tell you a story of how I was bold in talking about Jesus. I, I failed completely. I couldn't even talk to somebody on the train. We went down to London with Jofi, and there was a lovely uh, family, and there was a guy just over the aisle, and all I wanted to ask him was, sorry, can I just ask for one tip about how you do family life? Because there was an 18-year-old girl, there was a 13-year-old girl. We picked these things up because we listened to it. But, and there was a 16-year-old boy. And just the way they interacted was amazing. And that's all I wanted to ask him. Oh, well, actually, there was another question. I wanted to ask him, do you go to church? Are you a Christian? Because they just had that look about them. Well, on that day, it wasn't an eight. It was a minus four. I just sat there and kept quiet. Sometimes we've got boldness, haven't we? And sometimes we haven't. On the Christian front, when I became a Christian at the age of 19... I was even scared of just telling my parents, who are lovely people who love the Lord and have been praying for me for, I don't know, well, since birth. But then later when I was at university, I was in Stevenson Hall, and I can still remember times when I was sat with international students uh, around the table, and I used to love staying after dinner boldly talking about how Jesus must be the only way to God. If he is who he says he is, and I also got a few looks and various arguments there. And there's times, isn't there, in life when we're bold, and there's times when we're not bold. But my final question before we go into the text, which clearly is about boldness, is would you like to get a plus one on your boldness? So if you're a three, would you like to be a four? If you're a seven, would you like to be an eight or a 10 to 11? That's not a rhetorical question, actually. Could you put your hand up? Would you like to be bolder in your witness to God? Some nod or give me a hand or something. Okay, you're, you're the same as me. I want to be bold, bolder in talking about Jesus. And here's the encouragement. I can tell you the main point of the sermon, just in case anybody nods off. Be encouraged. Because God by his Holy Spirit wants and will, God by his Holy Spirit wants and will help us to speak about Jesus. That's what God wants. He wants to help us speak about Jesus. As we come to his word, would you just bow your heads and I'm going to say a short prayer. Show us Christ. Show us Christ. Oh God, reveal your glory through the preaching of your word. Father God, you see us. You know we need your help. If there's going to be any change in our lives, please would you by your spirit take your, your written word and lead us to the living word. And would we go out of this place changed and for your glory. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. Well, just a quick recap. I know there's some people here who weren't here last week. We're in an amazing part of, of Acts. 
There's been an incredible healing, you remember from last week. Matt was taking us through it. Peter and John, they're going to the temple. There's a guy there. He's, he's lame. He's been lame from birth. We know he's over 40 years old. We don't know how long he's been there. And, and do you remember, there was a beautiful thing that happened at Gates. Beautiful. Peter and John go over and, and they don't have any money to give. But what they do have is they say to this guy, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise. It's just phenomenal. I mean, we just read it, don't we? We know the story. But this guy gets up, lame from birth, and they take his hand, and he doesn't just get up, but he then goes right into the temple. And do you remember, Matt was helping us understand this whole beautiful picture of restoration. The guy's been healed. The guy can now go and be with God's people in his temple. All the people then flood onto Peter and John, thinking there's something special about them. And Peter and John boldly speak And they're just simple messages. Well, it's not about us. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And then they're really quite bold, aren't they? Do you remember? They they tell the people, look, you handed Jesus over to be killed. You disowned the holy and righteous one. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. You killed him. God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. And it's by faith in the name of Jesus, nothing to do with us, that this man is standing here healed. Now, today, absolutely phenomenal. Jesus is the real deal, to remember, who's powerfully still present and working by his spirit. Friends, Jesus is alive. And then I would have thought that the end of the story would have been great news. News of this spreads and then it gets to the leaders. But as we see, it didn't quite work out like that. In the first four verses, we see... The priests and the captains of of the temple guard, the Sadducees, the leaders of the people, they don't like what's happened. They were disturbed, verse 2. So verse 3, they seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. The most incredible miracle has just occurred. And the next thing Peter and John find is that they're in jail. And I guess they might start remembering what happened when there was a, they know they're going to face the court of the Jewish ruling people the next day. And I wonder whether that night, Luke doesn't tell us, but do they remember what happened about two months ago when their Lord, Jesus, was there? And they know what happened to him. He was brutally flogged and then he was torturously crucified. And Peter and John are now waiting for a trial in the same place. I wonder what was going on in their minds. I don't know. Luke doesn't tell us. But it does tell us one thing that happens in verse 4. Do you note that? But because of the boldness, I guess, of Peter and John, because of the word being spoke, because of people talking about Jesus, many who heard the message believed. Just counting the number of men, we won't go into why they didn't mention the women, but just counting the men, the number of believers moves from 3,000 to 5,000. I mean, that's going to cause some problems turning into two services and looking after the kids' work, isn't it? 3,000 to 5,000. Incredible. When God's word is spoken, God moves and lives change. And so we pick up the story the next day in verse 5. I have two points this morning. If you like taking points, here's the first one. Peter and John are before the courts in public, and they're bold. And then the second one, we'll see that Peter and John are back with their own people, boldly pray. Verses 23 to the end. So here we are, Peter and John before the courts in public. And there's a number of questions which I think will help us go through this passage. 
Luke points out some names. Incidentally, I think it really helps us to realize this is eyewitness accounts. He's making sure that he's done the business. He knows who was there. And the question comes in verse 7. Do you notice this? The question is, well, by what power or name did you do this? How? I, I wonder whether Peter smiled at that point. In Hungary, the education system is that you, you have to learn everything. It's, a, it's massively knowledge-based. And if you're learning history, you have to learn, I don't know, 32 subjects. And then when you go for your exam, all of those pieces of paper with a different number on, and you have to pick one out. And you're hoping and praying, aren't you, that the one that you pick out is exactly what you revised the night before. And you might be okay. And you can talk. And I wonder when Peter hears this question, I wonder whether he thinks, I'm glad you asked because I'm going to tell you exactly. But I, he does have boldness, doesn't he? Note in verse 8, Peter filled, not with confidence, but filled with the Holy Spirit. Peter filled with the Holy Spirit says to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we're being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. What boldness. Jesus, the Messiah. Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the guy from Galilee, the northerner, the carpenter's son, the Jesus who you remember two months ago, you judged and you crucified. It's by the power in his name that this man is standing here healed. Bold words. But it goes even further. He then throws at them their own scriptures, quoting from Psalm 118. He says, look, the stone you builders rejected, which Jesus is, sorry, the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. The Old Testament is saying that we already knew that this would happen, that you rulers would reject the Christ. And then if that's not bold enough, here comes the, the bold point, I guess. Peter and John say, Peter says, salvation is found in no one else. There's no other Messiah coming later. You can't go back to Elijah or Elisha or Moses or Abraham. It's this guy, Jesus. He is the Messiah. Whether you like it or not, Jewish leaders, 71 of you there in front of me, Whatever happens to me, it doesn't matter. I'm telling you that it's by the faith in this guy, Jesus the Christ, the Messiah of Nazareth. He is the King. And it's only in his name that salvation can be found. There is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Wow. I mean, that is bold, isn't it? It's a difficult thing for us to declare that today, isn't it? I know I was a bit of a cheeky student, but it was a difficult thing. I have loads of students who believe in, I had loads of friends at university who, who had different beliefs in different gods. And we have to be really careful, don't we, in loving people. And, but we do need to point to them to Jesus and help people understand if what we read about is true, then we really need to take him seriously it wouldn't be easy to speak about this now I don't think it was easy for Peter and John 
to speak about it then, actually. It wasn't the most PC thing to say to your religious leaders. Peter and John are before the court in public, and they are bold. And the leaders, if you turn over the page, they don't really know what to do with them, do they? Do you notice at the top, verse 13, they saw the courage, the boldness of these people. And they know that they're unschooled, ordinary men. I love that. I feel like that. Matt very kindly mentioned that we're wonderful people. I I think we're just quite normal. Sometimes we're wonderful. But thank you, Matt. You are also wonderful and normal. But they were just, they saw something in the lives of these people. And I guess Luke doesn't tell us, but I, I wonder whether they remember the boldness of Jesus in his preaching and his teaching, and particularly two months before in the same courtyard, in the same court. And they realized these guys have definitely been with Jesus. And they really don't know what to do, do they? Because verse 14, they can see that the man who has been healed is standing there with them. There's nothing that they can say. It's like an amazing miracle happening outside the Hallamshire Hospital. And all of the doctors go there and they see what's happened. This guy was lame from birth and instantaneously he was healed. This isn't some psycho something where you can just change your mind on something. And it was public. And so these leaders, they're not too sure what to do. So what do they do? Verse 15, they send them out and then they say 16... What are we going to do with these men? That's the second question. First one is, how did you do this? The second one is, what are we going to do with these people? Everyone living in Jerusalem knows they've performed a notable sign and we cannot deny it. Everybody knows we want to stop it spreading, verse 17. So we're going to tell them, stop it. You do not talk about this Jesus. You can have your own little private belief, Peter and John, but you do not talk about this Jesus. We are commanding you and warning you not to speak any longer in this name. And so they made the decision, they'd call them in again. And they command them not to teach or speak at all in the name of Jesus. And again, I wonder, Luke doesn't tell us, but what was going on in Peter's mind at that point? What do we do? How do I answer this one? Please just have a look down and just take a moment to, to see what's absolutely incredible in verses 19 and 20. Just have a look down at Peter's answer and have a think about why he would have said that. There's at least two things that come to me. The first one is that he throws the question back and he says, well, what's right? They've been told not to do something and they turn the question back and they say, what's right to do? It's a bit like when my kids, I tell them not to use their phone, and they say, but you're using your phone. You think, oh, I don't know what to say now. They say, what is right, to obey God or to obey you? I think this is a really important question. I'm really not the boldest Christian in the world. And most of the time, I, I, I realize, gosh, it's such an easy place, Hungary, because the government, is, not everything is easy, but they're definitely on the side of conservative Christians. And I pray for you guys, and I pray for you, particularly the youth here, that God will give you boldness because it's not easy. But we need to know what is right to say. What's right in God's eyes to listen to you or to him? You judge us. You judge. And I guess it's slightly the question of, well, who do you want to please? I know I'm a people pleaser. Our neighbors, I kind of want my neighbors to first think I'm okay, I'm not too weird. 
And then later I try and tell them that I'm a Christian and hopefully then they're going to go, oh, tell us about Jesus. That doesn't often happen. I'm not bold and I think I'd like to be a plus one on this. But I think I need to go back and remember what is the right thing to say. And then the second thing is that it comes internally, doesn't it? You can almost feel it. They're, they're saying, look, but we cannot help speak about what we've seen and heard. And I was talking about this to somebody in the church family, and they were just helping me realize that this is the key, no? So boldness isn't about trying to drum something up from the inside. No, I must talk about Jesus. I must talk about Jesus. But the more we love Jesus, the more we realize God's love to us, the more we realize what he's done for us in Christ, the more this morning's sermon was a great help, wasn't it? To see God in all his glory. And I think if that picture of God changes, if it's enlarged, I imagine that will help me be more bold. Or at least I hope it will. And so they give them some further threats. I don't know what they were. I guess they were quite serious. And they let them go because, again, they couldn't decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened because the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. Peter and John are before the courts in public and they're, they're really bold, aren't they? And of course, let's just pause a minute and remember who we're talking about. We're talking about Peter who, two months before, outside while Jesus is being tried, round a fire, a servant girl comes up to him and says, you know, you know Jesus, you were with him, weren't you? Peter's like, no, no, it's not me. And then, no, no, really, you were. The accent gives it away. And he's, he's literally effing and blinding. He's bringing down curses and saying, I don't know this guy. I mean, that is a minus five, ten, hundred, isn't it? He really fluffed it then. And now, two months later, he's standing up against his own religious leaders. And he's boldly talking about Jesus. What's happened? Well, you remember verse 8, don't you? Peter filled with the Holy Spirit. Because be encouraged, the Holy Spirit wants and will help us to talk about Jesus. So that's the first point. The second one's a, a lot briefer. They go into private. What do they do? What does Peter and John do when they have a problem? You know, they didn't come out, I, I guess they didn't come out of the, uh, the situation and give each other a high five, handled that well, didn't we? Bring on the next one. No, no, no. What do they do? They go back to their own people to pray. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, I guess it's all of the they now, all the people, they raised their voices together in prayer. Prayer's an amazing thing, isn't it? I'm by no means a prayer warrior, but I love this church because it has a focus on prayer. It was so nice to be here on a Wednesday night. It always used to be, I think, our favorite meeting. Just gathered around in small groups, praying for the world, the work, the mission partners, and now we're on the other side. There's a little prayer meeting for the little work that we do in, with Acorn and for our family on a Sunday night. We joined a house group. There's prayer there. We pray every Sunday. What an incredible thing that we can talk to God. And I think there's a couple of things that at least I needed to learn as I prepared this. Often my prayers are a bit of a tick list. Please would you help me with this? Please would you look after my mum, she's a bit ill, etc., etc. And I think here, it's very clear. First of all, they remember who God is. God's the God who made things. God's the God who can speak. And God's the God who planned things. 
Remember who God is, and then it, I think it fuels us to realize we might just be okay. Even in school, in our difficult situations, with whatever you're facing at work, you think it's impossible. Actually, when we remember, let's have a look. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer, and they said, Sovereign Lord, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. And God can speak prophetically. So he speaks through David hundreds of years before the Messiah came and knew what was going to happen because somehow God is out of time. And therefore his word is true and can be trusted. And so he quotes Psalm 2 and shows that that exactly came together. In Herod and Pontius Pilate conspiring against Jesus. And then verse 28, they did what your power and will had decided beforehand would happen. God knew it. God had planned it. There's a God who is so ultimately powerful. You want to be a little bit bolder? I think maybe one of the things that will help us is having a bigger picture of our incredible gods. And then when they've done that, then, of course, they do then pray for boldness. So do you notice they're not complacent? They don't come out of the course and realize, oh, we did a good job, we're okay. They go to their people and they ask for help. I love that. So boldness, I don't think, is about coming and trying to drive something up. Be bold, be bold, be bold. But it's about turning to our gods in prayer. Verse 29. Now, Lord, consider their threats. And enable your servants to speak your words with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. There was no question for the disciples about what to do when the threats came. They turned to their God in prayer. Many of you, I, I don't, well, most of you I don't know very well. I don't know what you're facing this week. Or today. I don't know what the threat is for you, external or internal. I don't know what the difficulty is. Maybe it's with your friends. Maybe it's with your family. Maybe it's a church situation. Maybe it's at work. We have a God in heaven who wants us to come before him in prayer. And there's a God who wants to act and help us. Because there was no question about what God would do or whether he would do something. Notice verse 31. After they prayed, the place they were meeting was shaken. Shaken. And they were all filled, not quite with boldness yet, first they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Same as verse 8. And then they spoke the word of God boldly. It's an incredible the first event that's happened in Acts after Pentecost, recorded by Luke. There's an incredible healing. It's all about the name of Jesus. Peter and John point to that. Using bold words, they tell the people, guys, you've, you've crucified the Messiah. And do you remember last week, I loved how Matt pointed out, that look, we even have a God who is willing to forgive the people who killed his son. There's a God of incredible love who looks down at this world. I think if it had been me, I'd have just given up with the world and started again. But our God loves this world. 
It's an incredible healing, bold words. Many people turn to Christ as we heard. Doesn't make it easy for the Christian, ends up in jail. Might have thought that that was his last night. He didn't know. The next day, he spoke the word of God boldly. And then the next thing he did, he went to a prayer meeting to ask God, would you give us boldness to keep speaking? Interestingly, I'm, I'm reading the Bible through in a year, um, and two days ago I, I finished Acts. Let me just read the last two verses. Paul's not in an easy situation. He's under house arrest in Rome. And it says, For two whole years Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. God wants his word to go out and God will use his people, but he'll empower them by his spirit. So as we close tonight, I, I, I want you to be encouraged, not bashed over the head for not talking about Jesus, but be encouraged. God wants, the Holy Spirit wants and will help us to speak about Jesus boldly. And if it helps, remember Peter, this guy who was denying Jesus and then something changed and then he had the boldness. And can I just say, if you're here and you're still thinking about who this Jesus is, I think this change in people is one of the greatest proofs of that Jesus is who he says he was and is. And that he really did rise from the dead. Because Peter and the other apostles, they saw him. Well, they say they saw him. But they don't just say that they saw him, but later they were willing to die horrendous deaths because they were convinced that they'd seen this Jesus in the flesh. You crucified him. God raised him from the dead. We're witnesses of that. What can change somebody's life like that if it's not the truth? So maybe you want to remember Peter. Um, I don't really want you to remember me, but just remember that we're all normal. Sometimes we get an eight, sometimes we get a three, sometimes we get a minus five. And do you know what? I think your father in heaven and our father in heaven is looking down. And he's just saying, don't worry, next time. I'll be with you. It's a journey. Just come back to me and ask for boldness. And so as we finish, I, I felt it would be a right thing to end with a prayer and ask for boldness. And so I'd like you just to think about what is the one situation at the minute, whether you're the youngest member here or the oldest, that you'd like to ask God to just give you a little plus one to help you to speak about Jesus, to be bold in whatever that situation is. Please, would you just think about that first? And then I'm going to ask you to be bold. And if you would like to ask God to help you, I'll ask you to stand with me. I need God's boldness. So if you'd like to ask God to help you, please boldly stand. And then we will pray together. Do stand if you want. Father God in heaven, thank you that you, you see us as your people and you love us. Using the words of the prayer that the apostles used. Sovereign Lord, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. And then you spoke by your Holy Spirit 
through the mouth of your servant, our father David, and through all of the Old Testament, that all of the Bible is your words. And then you knew what was going to happen. Father God, thank you that you know the situations that we face at work, at home, with our family, our friends, and you know how weak we are. But Father God, if we've stood, then we're asking you, please, would you enable your servants, would you help us to speak your words with great boldness? We admit that we can't do it by ourselves. So Father God, by your Spirit, give us boldness to speak about Jesus this week. And we pray all of these things in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.